Hello, it's Danielle, and today's episode is about my suffering and your radiance, the radiance that comes from suffering. Uh, just a note before we get into it, I'm sitting in my living room with a candle burning, as is usually the case when I'm recording, so you will probably hear the natural sounds of my East Vancouver neighborhood. I swear, sometimes I'll be talking about suffering, so there will be a lot of truth bombs. And I want you to know that I currently do not take ad sponsorship for this podcast series, but I will pop in every once in a while to tell you what I am up to, what I'm selling, and to throw some light on a charity or two that is close to my heart. All right, let's get into some suffering. It's really important for me that I set the context of this offering. I am I'm going to give you my laundry list of the things that I have experienced and endured and overcome that you could put in the bucket of suffering. And the point of this is not in any way, woe is me or feel sorry for me or look how far I've come and look, I'm so very, I am the phoenix who has risen. It's none of that. It all has to do with the service of relatability and accessibility. And one of the highlights for me whenever I speak publicly is, I mean, just the nodding that happens when I talk about a valley that I've been through and the, mm-hmm, I get it, that I see happening in the audience. And then the stories of you know, when people come up to me afterwards, the gratitude is very specific. It's thank you for telling me that you went through that because I thought I was alone. Thank you for telling me that you went through that and telling us how you got through that because I needed those tools. I needed some pointers. Thank you for telling me you went through that because it gives me hope that I can get to the other side. Yeah, so for common ground and community, for potentially softening your learning curve, alleviating your suffering, easing your burden, and for hope. Here's my list of how I have suffered. My very personal hurt, suffered, cried, tanked, flopped, crawled, begged for mercy. List. May it bring you comfort. Where to start? <laughs> well, if you saw personal, like family photos of me over a 10-year period of my life, I really mostly looked incredibly pissed off and brittle and, um, for myself, a lot heavier, a <clears throat> little more curvaceous than I wanted to look. So, yeah, just, just wow, what that lady, she looks so pissed off and sad and exhausted in every fucking photo. Why? Why? Because... I was in a relationship that made me feel really pissed off and deeply sad and utterly exhausted. Uh, and note that I say in a relationship. So it was the dynamic of the two of us that I allowed, that I contributed to, that I endured, that made for a marriage that was full of a lot of tension, that just wore me down. And I'm sure, I know, it wore him down too. And the 
parting, the divorce itself was quite civilized, actually, because we're pretty mature people and really didn't want to cause each other any more pain than we had. But my recovery from that divorce, on the other hand, was one of the most brutal reclamation processes that I've ever had to go through. There were other ones after that, but that was pinnacle for me. Um, And it took me years, actually. I mean, the first year after my divorce was a lot of crying. It was being struck by grief at all hours, surprising hours of the day, in the middle of meetings, driving my car, in the grocery store, in the park, laughing with friends, crying with friends, helping with friends, being helped with friends, tying my son's shoelaces, and a wave of grief. This is how the goddess of grief works, is you never know when she is going to attend to you. And there was constant therapy, coaching, a shaman, an astrologer. I was really hooked on any kind of portending that could happen, getting a psychic reading. Tell me what's going to happen. What's around the corner? How am I going to heal? Who am I going to meet next? Am I ever going to be in the relationship that I that I long for, that I deserve? And how am I going to heal? Who is he with? There's a lot of that. I mean, I can't even, it's so far from me now. It's hard to illustrate it anymore. But suffice to say, on my knees, very broken, did not feel very desirable, which is a big fucking deal for me because mostly I have felt sexy my entire life. I mean, one of my decisions, the reason I did not become a nun because I felt very called as a young girl towards deep Catholicism and a convent, some kind of monastic life. (laughs) But I was a very clear no for that because even as a young girl, I could feel like really healthy sexuality and and a glow within me. So that was a no, I needed to pursue that glow. So it's a lot to say that that separation, the ending of that relationship was so brutalizing to me that emotionally, yeah, there was a period of time I just felt like, who's going to want me? And I needed to rebuild my psyche, my heart, reclaim my body, every ounce, every cell. And that took a couple years to do. And now uh, I'm a cliche. (laughs) I'm a totally free, initiated, empowered woman and uh, no regrets. Big one point of suffering for me was that I was fired from my own company. (laughs) I got Steve jobbed. Uh, for my very own brand. So the CEO that I had hired with my co-partner, my co-business partner, the CEO that we had hired to turn the company around, then turned around and canned me and my business partner. And I, so I raised a bunch of money. We raised a bunch of money. The investors that stepped up said, hey, if you hire this wonder kid tech guy, we'll all sign the check this week and you'll, you'll, you'll have your financing. Of course, and we made the right decision. We we took the money, we hired the dude, and essentially it was a big power struggle. And there was a coup, and the coup was that they were going to change the business model to uh, basically a factory model, a content factory, where we're just going to pump out massive amounts of content on all these chick-related, self-help, wellness, pop culture subjects, grow traffic, and monetize this with ad space, and it's all just going to be one big 
fucking search engine gargoyle bullshit advertising system. Well, obviously, I wasn't down with that. And I had given, I had given so much of my power away. I had swallowed my voice, my opinion. I had tamped down my own fire so many times that I lost it. Yeah, I lost the company. I lost the, the, any control I did have was wrested away from me. And I was fired. Legally, it's called constructively dismissed, where because they legally can't fire you without having major retaliation, uh, they just kind of fire you. They give you like a bit of like some kind of menial nominal thing to do. So I was told that my services generally would not be required anymore and that I was just going to just go home, work from home, and write one blog post a week, and we'll pay you 5%, I think, maybe 10% because they're so fucking generous, 10% of my salary is what I was going to get. And I was allowed to keep my BlackBerry. Hi, totally dating myself. My BlackBerry and my laptop. <laughs> okay, so let me just give you some context. This was a company that myself and a dear friend of mine had founded. It was like so-and-so and me.com. Oprah called. She wanted to feature us about the, the book we had written and our whole soulful approach to personal branding. We didn't make it on the show because the show had gone off the air for the summer. The timing didn't work. But I leveraged that, that thrust of attention from Oprah to then go raise the money. To, to, to grow the business because I didn't want to be just this branding consultant forever. I wanted this, I wanted to scale this. And it wasn't just about scaling it for monetization purposes. It was about scaling it to really make a difference. And also, yeah, have a great lifestyle, right? Um, so this had been our lives. It was our pictures everywhere. It was our name on the parking spot. We were the brand and we hired a dude and got four dudes to fund it. And just one day, taken out to Starbucks by dude I hired, made him the CEO, gave him signing authority on all our bank accounts because what the fuck was I thinking? And uh, just, yeah, you're done here, Danielle. And you, yeah, and my business partner, yeah, you're done too. You're both going to work from home now. We're, we got it from here. Because in their opinion, they'd already sunk all this money in and they had to make the brand really turn a big buck, I mean, work. So they were going to continue to use our names, our images, and our social media identities to go turn this into this, this content beast. Yeah, the incorporation owned my identity. So I actually had to spend weeks convincing Twitter, I had to do this very surreptitiously, that that was my name. <laughs> and I needed, like, I was actually Danielle Laporte. They weren't Danielle Laporte. Could I please have the rights transferred from my own Twitter handle over into my name, my actual personal identity. Could you please send that to my email address, not the corporate? Yeah. So I, needless to say, a lot of rage, a lot of grief, a lot of betrayal happened in that, and a lot of personal debt because I had co-signed all of these loans personally to the company, and I was on the hook for over $100,000 at the time that was mm, that was I didn't even know I didn't even know where I was going to get a dime to start to chip away at that because I just left with my blackberry and no job 
and 10% of basically fucking nothing. Yeah. And guess what? That is one of those things that I can say took me a minute to get there. It's one of the best things that ever happened to me because that was the sword of sovereignty that cut through everything that wasn't aligned with who I was meant to be in the world. And I'll, I'll save the details of this story for another podcast, but the fracturing that happened between myself and my sister business partner was pretty severe. And we didn't engage with each other. We weren't nasty to each other at all, but there was really, there was like a seven-year gap where we just did not want to run into each other at a cocktail party in town. And now, oh, sweetest reunion, tears, confession, like a nut, like we just remembered, oh, I'm going to cry. We just remembered why we fell in love with each other and why we went into business with each other in the first place and why we inspire each other. And we're all, oh, wow. That's another story, but went through shit hell, shit business career hell to be as liberated as I am today. (laughs) Yeah, well, fuck, had to hit the ground running on that one. All right, Firestarter Sessions, one of my first books, got rejected by six literary agents. So I ended up getting a great book deal for that. It sold tens of thousands of copies. I need to check on how many copies it sold. It's been made into two online courses. Firestarter Sessions has become a coaching curriculum that is part of the Desire Map license that people can get. I have 700 Desire Map licensees around the world who are facilitating workshops and working with this coaching content in their practices. But nobody wanted the beginning of this content at the beginning of it. I was once told to be more formulaic. Another literary, like they wanted seven steps. Can you turn this into seven steps? I was like, dude, my whole thing is that life isn't seven fucking steps. There are no shortcuts to initiation. Do you not get this? I am not a, I am not a one to 10, 21 days challenge, anything. Yeah. Missed the point. Another literary agent, by the way, these were all dudes, told me that I was too poetic. I was too poetic. And the only people who would read this book, you ready for this? Were Oprah's audience. Because that's not a huge audience that everybody wants to tap. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's a bad thing that everybody who watches Oprah wants to read this book. Yeah, I went through that six rejection rejection and i know how it goes in publishing they're a a fantastic amazing classic sell millions of copies of books out there who were rejected by 10 20 agents so this might feel like nothing but in that frame but it felt like a lot then because yeah rejection fucking blows uh but i gave up on getting an agent and i actually gave up on getting a book deal and i decided that i would write a version myself. I knew that I, I was going to begin how I wanted it to end and that I did want a book deal, but I just gonna like have to begin in my attic. And I was in the midst of leaving my then marriage. And I would just figure out how to use the camera on my MacBook Pro. I didn't even know how to edit anything. I started filming stuff before I could edit it. And I would film. I would then have to take a break, 
go pack a box because I was leaving. I was, we were separating. And then I would be crying and I would put tea bags on my eyes, bring the swelling down. Actually works, works great in the morning when you're jet lagged and you've got a gig, by the way. And then I would reapply mascara and I would shoot another little module for the fire starter sessions in the digital version. And that was decent enough that I got the attention of a literary agent and she knew what we were on to. Hey, can I just pop in for a second to talk about my stuff? And by my stuff, I don't mean my deep personal issues. I mean, all of these episodes are about my deep personal issues. I want to talk about the stuff that I make, as in my gorgeous, eco-friendly, sometimes kind of wise truth bomb decks, 134 gorgeous little cards that you can leave on park benches and cafes. You can turn into thank you notes. You can put on your mirror to remind you how gorgeous and wise you are. A single truth bomb deck you can now get for 20% off because love, there's a special code. Head to daniellelaporte.com slash decks and enter the magical code lovedecks, one word, L-O-V-E-D-E-C-K-S. They make really gorgeous gifts, so, you know, you should really get two decks, one for you, and then keep that one and then get another one, and all right, you get it. Truth bombs, so many. Explosions of love and wisdom, all there for you. 20% off. <sighs> Health stuff, not always great. Interstitial cystitis for two years. Anybody know what IC is? It's where the bladder lining gets so inflamed that you just pee constantly. I had no idea what it was. I Chronic UTI infections, bladder infections, um, nobody could give me a straight answer. I finally got one from a medical doctor. They want to do all this invasive stuff. I was like, are you kidding me? That's not going to help. I know what I need to know. That's not going to help. But a medical specialist, one of the many that I went to, I was in the waiting room filling out the form, and the question asked if I had to live with this condition for the rest of my life, how likely would I be to commit suicide on a scale of 1 to 10? And that's when I figured out this could be really serious. And this must be destroying some pe other people's lives. And I thought, fuck this. I know what to do. My body was screaming to me, leave the relationship. So I did. And the condition vanished for good. In fact, until I sat down to make this long list of beautiful sufferings for you so that we could all relate to each other on one level or another, I'd actually forgotten about it. So for those of you right now who have some kind of chronic, unceasing, repetitive, it's been with you for a long time, health condition. I know there are lots of things that we choose or not to choose to put in the category of incurable. I would invite everybody to reassess what they choose to believe is incurable. Not saying that some things aren't, but lots of things that get labeled as incurable actually are very willing and able and possible to be healed. And listen, you can get to a point where not only are you healed of that condition, you are operating in full vibrancy, 
wellness, and vitality, so much so that it is strength building on strength, so much so that you do not even remember. You have to reach to remember the current discomfort and agony that you are in right now or that you've been dealing with that you are on your way out of. It's absolutely entirely possible. And when you look back, it's going to feel like a miracle. Crossing over, bridging between physical wellness and spiritual, psycho, emotional, and family, had a miscarriage. A lot of women don't talk about their miscarriages. I think women don't talk about it enough. You do not know how common miscarriage is until it ap- actually happens to you and you tell other people in your circle, oh, me too, me too, them too, and then you talk to your midwife or your doctor, whoever whoever your health provider is. Now, for me, the miscarriage was really early term, and I thought to myself, you know, it didn't stick, but the next one will. And that's what happened. And I now have a perfectly healthy teenage son. I had a beautiful pregnancy. I was not one of those women who loved being pregnant. I was one of those women who loved labor and actually going through that and pushing that baby out. But all this to say, it's a natural thing. It's a normal thing. And I also want to say, for some women, some of us, we go into deep grief. And that is so legit and honorable and real. And we really feel the impact of that loss of of life, of potential life, and the dream we were dreaming. And then for other women, and you can feel a combination of both, but I was one of those women who, it really wasn't that big of a deal for me. It really felt like it was it just wasn't the right time. And yes, there was some heartbreak and some disappointment. And yes, it probably made a difference that I was only two and a half months along. But I just really felt like, oh, just not the right timing. And maybe that soul changed their mind. And maybe in the inner worlds, we got together and just decided, hey, maybe another lifetime. But I, even in the the hormonal discombobulation that happens after miscarriage, like, I went down for a week or so and then came back into balance. But even in that, I had full faith that my body was up for this, that my life was up for this, and that the other soul that had chosen me, well, now I'm going to cry again because it ended up being my son, that the other soul that had chosen me, uh, it was all going to happen. Even if I miscarried again, the day was going to come when I was going to have a healthy, bouncing, and now uh, Pink Floyd loving, rock and rolling little boy. Still along the lines of health, prior to, I would say, the last two years, if you look at any talk that I'm giving on stage, if there's any video footage, if you have attended a gig that I have been at, there is a very high chance 93.5% chance that I was probably very sick while I was on stage, that I'd probably spent three weeks prior to that warding off pneumonia. For sure, I was on some kind of inhaler to deal with bronchial infection. For sure, I had called girlfriends and healers before, moments before I got on stage to help me get through that event, that I would, my voice would stay 
clear that I wouldn't have a coughing attack. And Lord have mercy that I wouldn't get off the stage and have everything flip over into pneumonia. I have, I dealt for a long time, again, past tense, for a long time with severe bronchial issues that came from deep grief, grief of marriage ending, family of origin stuff. I think I had taken it on myself to process the grief of the, like the feminine collective, legacy grief, just fucking endless grief. And grief is held within the respiratory system. You know, the respiratory system is the cave of the heart. It is the nest. Our lungs are the nest for our heart. Did you know that your left lung, where your heart is hovering, is smaller than your right lung because it, it makes space to, to hold the heart? And I had mold in my home that I didn't know about. I, it was a fucking mess. And I could write a whole book just on my relationship with breathing. Yeah, guess what? Healthy now. Mm. Adding to the list of suffering, I told you what you're in for. I had Epstein-Barr. I have Epstein-Barr. I am one of those people who likes to believe that I can get the virus to completely leave my system. But about two years ago, it really became apparent because I got mono, <laughs> as in mononucleosis. Who gets that? I mean, who, what? I thought you just got that from making out with dudes in high school. I, what happened is mono, this is my understanding of it, a lot of which comes from my functional medical doctors, because that's the way I roll, and the work of Anthony William, also known as medical medium, who really enhanced my life. I, I wasn't dying, but holy, save me. And one of the expressions of the Epstein-Barr virus, also known as EBV, is mono. It expresses itself in many forms, which according to medical medium, forms that are not really honored or recognized as Epstein-Barr by traditional medicine. So I, I'm not going to get into that. Just I'll leave some links for you in this podcast about Anthony's teaching and maybe some other links to functional medicine approaches to this. But Back to my suffering. Let's just let's just let's just wa wallow with me, will you? I had mono so severely that I had a hard time walking up the stairs some nights, and it kicked my ass for about seven months. It was no joke. Brain fog, almost constant um, sweating, and then shivering sore throat. The fatigue was unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my entire life. I mean, even the fatigue after going through a 17-hour labor of delivering my son in my living room, that was, I could, I could have got up and painted the house after that compared to having a huge Epstein-Barr slash mono flare-up for such a long period of time. There, I, there were many nights Without exaggeration, I tell you, I crawled up the final flight of stairs to get to my bedroom. I just laid on the couch and sweat. I went to bed and I just sobbed. And it was unbelievable. Eventually, it abated as mono does, but I was still, you know, I still had to be on the mission to overhaul my immune system because it was shot 
my hormones with the stress of the last few years, as in the last life, the last two, three, four decades, and <laughs> with life <laughs> and overwork and relationships and emotions and all of it, my immune system was just shot. My body had been working so hard to fight all of the stuff with my respiratory system. It was all, it all went hand in hand. Anyway, I got myself on the medical medium protocol. So I took care of it in three ways. One, with diet. So I've mostly been vegetarian, but now just really clearly dairy, no. Eggs, no. And P.S. Gluten, absolutely not. Because all those things create inflammation, gives your body one more thing that it has to combat. You want to free up that energy to be working on your immune system and your vitality. Lots of things I cut out of my diet, lots of things I integrated into my diet. I worked with every kind of natural medicine you could, but mostly I dealt with my inner stuff, which as you're about to hear as we go on, turned into, uh, it all surfaced in what I call a very dark night. And let me finish on a high note with just this capsule regarding Epstein-Barr. While it's still something I have to be really aware of, it's really just a call for deeper self-love and wellness across the board of my life. I get enough sleep. I eat clean. I'm not on too many airplanes. I don't go out with assholes. I do what it takes to be kind to myself and everyone around me. A lot of stress has been shifted into simplicity in my life. And yeah, so I took care of it with love. I took care of it with diet. And I got my hormones in shape. And I am, you know, I was just dancing around the house the other night, heading to yoga and bounced back in and talked to my kid and then ran out to see somebody else. Uh, two years ago, I barely left the house. Yeah. I barely left the house, and now I leave the house on my bicycle. <laughs> Healing happens. I'm going to end my, my laundry list of suffering <laughs> with one of my greatest sufferings. And then I want to tell you a future story about yourself and radiance. But to the darkness before we go into that. Say in the last 18 months, two years, I went through the darkest period of my life so far on earth, which I now refer to as my living death. It wasn't a nervous breakdown because I was completely in control of all my faculties. I had a 100% grasp on reality, give or take. <laughs> oh, God. See? I survived. I can laugh about it now, but I went through shocking, and I mean shocking, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, things that I had never experienced before, suicidal considerations, waking up every morning thinking, I just, I can't live like this. And, you know, I was never to the point where I was considering how to commit suicide. But when I looked ahead, it was terrorizing. I, I thought, I have a child, and I'm here to, I mean, one of the reasons I exist on the planet is to help this young man fulfill his creative expression 
I'm, I exist to set him up in the world and see him through until my last breath and beyond. But I was in such a painful place that I cannot personally endure on behalf of anybody. And so I made a plan to give myself five years that if this kind of suffering and just really extreme mortal coil went on for more than five years, that I had five years to get my boy into manhood and he would be strong enough internally that then I could call it quits and I would come up with a plan. So that's what suicidal thinking looked like for me. Yeah, what else can I say about that? It fucking sucked. It's a lot of loss that had happened in that time, a lot of disillusionment that led up to that. It was a lot of overwork. It was just everything in the basement of my psyche needed to come up to be healed and to be dealt with. And I thought for sure I would never say I was grateful for it. But I am. Because rebirth, you know, it's, uh, I read uh, so much during that period of time about dark nights and saw that there is, there is a pattern to the true dark night of the soul. And if there is a pattern to the descent, there is a pattern to the ascent. That if all those people went down and could speak about it with, with such, such passion and such grace, and I, and I could relate to the darkness, then I could also find hope in how they passionately discussed their rising and their transformation through their darkest night. And that it was that I was destined to ascend out of it. And I held on to other, I, I held on to other people's stories. And this is why I'm sharing all of these sweet nuggets of my own suffering, light and not so light, to say, look, I've been through a couple of things. Not only did I get to the other side and make it through, not only did I survive, I thrived. I am stronger, wiser, softer, friendlier, sexier. I am more sane. I am so much more useful. I can be of so much more service to the world as a result of all of this. And therefore, I am grateful. But more than all of that, in addition to all of that, you ready? Because it's possible for you. I am more joyful than ever. Also, my dance moves off the fucking charts. (laughs) Didn't think it was possible that the sexy kitchen dance parties could get any sexier, (laughs) but they have. All right. I will be talking more about that living death of mine probably for years. I'm going to do, actually, I'll commit to it right now. I'm going to do a whole series, probably at least seven episodes, just on the dark night and what I did to heal through that. So that's coming up. Right now, we're going to just stick with with love for a while. All right, so those are the biggies. There's more, actually. Uh, there are some matters, some things that have gone down in my life that I will never publicly discuss because there are very, there are sacred implications to discussing them because there are other people invo- involved. 
And because, you know, I am not honor bound to tell you everything. There are some wild esoteric situations <laughs> that are like Harry Potter versus Voldemort, you know, that kind of shit. Not, I'm really not going to go there. There's things that probably are really challenging in my life that I'm not even aware of because I do not get any hate mail. Meaning, <laughs> let me be more specific. I don't see any hate mail. I don't read my own book reviews. I probably, I've, I've started just when I launched this podcast, I glanced at the good things and my team send me the really positive things, the reviews, the five stars, the thank yous for which I am so grateful. I'll tell you why I'm grateful for great reviews. Because when you say something positive, one, you get to express love and that's good for you. Two, your expression of love helps me open the door wider to get people into this field to just get loved on. And that's what I'm here to do. So yeah. And this absolutely affects the company's financial bottom line, which means I've got 16 people that I can help live and work in a well environment doing meaningful work. And then if we do that good enough, we can make enough of a profit that we can peel some of that off and give money away. So <laughs> that's the food chain of you leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, so where I don't get hate mail, I don't read hate mail. And there's other niggly things that's just bullshit suffering as part of being in business. You know, the last service provider that I had to fire based on their incompetency tried to sue me and walked with a lot of money because of this clause I did not catch in the contract. It was I just thought it was, at the end of the day, so immoral. You know, just because you sign it and someone has a legal right to exercise that clause doesn't mean they're not coming from a completely unethical and immoral stance. Yeah. I weep regularly over the pain of the world. I mean regularly. I have a, I have a very strained relationship with hope. And that strain causes me suffering, but I'm committed to hope. I'm committed to looking for hope everywhere. And the more you look for hope, the more you find it, you know. That's all I got. Let's talk about your radiance now. Little bit of extra love coming your way with reflection cards. Reflection cards are a set of really short but really deep kind of like me, questions for you to go deeper into your heart and your own wisdom. You don't have to journal. You could ask yourself while you're running to catch the bus, or you could journal. This could be part of your morning pages, just some depth to expand the day. You get the idea. I know you're wise. Questions, reflection, expansion. Go to daniellelaporte.com slash with love and everything podcast and reflection is right there waiting for you. Thanks. All right, my loves, this is part poem, part sermon. Here we go. When you get through the big pain, this is what will happen. Near blinding radiance. You will have more to give and you will love giving it. You will seek to give. 
And it will be the most incredible feeling. Someone is going to come to you with a broken wing or low on reserves, and you are going to have so much love and insight to offer them. You'll actually say things like, I can help you with that. And you will not feel taxed or burdened or obligated. You will feel like you are doing your work in the world. In essence, you will have become an angel. You will have a lot more energy. And if currently your adrenals are shot and you are just piecing together your exit plan, this may be hard to believe, but believe me, you're going to get up earlier and you're going to stay up just a bit later. You will intensely want to live life making, meandering, pleasuring, giving, learning, life. You're going to want more of it than you ever have before. Here's what happens when you get through the big pain. You will be intimate with joy. Because at some point during your immense suffering, you will have felt joy. And it seemed ironic at the time, and then it seemed miraculous. And then yes, even in the midst of pain, you could feel your true nature, and it is joy. You will know that happiness and agony, delight and grief come and go. But at the core is always joy you. And you will be confident that you will know how to find your way back to joy more easily the next time. You're going to look different, as in better, a bit shinier, maybe even blindingly radiant. And with all that weight off your shoulders, your spine will be straighter and the prana, the life force will be flowing more through you. The weariness in your eyes will be replaced with the sexiness of presence. It's going to show in photographs, and it will be seen by your people, and wow, you are going to shine. Guaranteed, you're going to make better choices. When you get to the other side of agony, chances are you're going to be way less inclined now to make the compromises or bend to your breaking point like you did before. You will spot the death eaters and the dream stealers before they get on your property. When you have transmuted dark poison through your system, you will develop an appetite for light and only light. You will choose to eat the light, point out the light, paint with light, speak with it, make love with it, dance with it, work for the light, laugh with it, rest in it, inquire from a place of the light. You will throw out light like the light worker that you are and it will be stunning. The radiance doesn't stop. Compassion. You will be that. You will smell other people's suffering, and you will consciously decide how to respond to it. Sometimes you will lay your light all over them ceaselessly and committed, and other times you will keep your wisdom quiet, and you will step aside, and you will let it unfold for themselves. It will all be an act of compassion. Your sense of time is going to morph considerably. You're going to exist in the paradox of peaceful urgency. You will know that you have all the time in the world, but now. Let's make a few things happen now. And this is what happens when you fall in love with a new person, romantic or otherwise, or a new cause, or best yet, with the new true you. Real love makes time holographic. It's a year in a day. It's a day in an hour. You are going to enter into the timeless zone of no regrets. Here's what happens when you get through the big pain. Here's the near-blinding radiance. 
You will be mindfully grateful. You won't necessarily be grateful for the shit that went down, but you will be immensely grateful for all that you learned from the situation. There will be a before and after delineation, before the death, before the crisis, the breakup, the breakthrough, before the revelation, the birth, and the truth. And not much is going to scare you because you got through that and you did all it took to get through that. You will become decisively flexible. You won't bend just for any cause now. In fact, your boundaries are going to be firm. But when you flex, when you melt, watch out. With all that inflammation gone from your being, you will have full range of mobility in your soul. And when you dance, you're going to really dance. When you get through the pain, here's what happens. Near blinding radiance. You're going to know more about what love is. Very specifically, self-love. And you are going to amaze yourself. And we will recognize you by your light. By your near blinding radiance. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word. You can find me here in a new episode every Thursday and every Sunday with love.